0: Hello, and welcome to the Thrive Not Survive podcast, where we will be exploring women's lives and what determines a happy, fulfilling life, capturing women's unique perspectives on what that really means to them. Hello. Hello!
1: Excellent! Actually working. (laughs) We have done it. We have managed
0: to do it. That is brilliant.
1: (laughs) No weird music in the background.
0: No weird music in the background. Right, okay, (laughs) let's get this show on the road. Okay, so (laughs) I am really, really excited to welcome to the Thrive Not Survive podcast, Claire Blythe, who I have invited on to the show, because she is one of the seemingly most resilient <laughs> uh, people that I have ever met. So you might not feel like that underneath Claire, and obviously-
1: <laughs> yeah, not at all. But thank you very much. It's good to know that I give off that vibe. <laughs> oh,
0: you really, really do. You you are a legend.
1: Uh, So just to
0: just briefly give the listeners a a brief overview of, you know, who you are and what you do. You are managing director at Red Setter. Yes, um, which I've written down here is the most exciting design agency in the world possibly uh, it's,
1: it's basically we we are the PR agency for the most exciting design agencies in the world for the most ambitious design agencies in the world so we we genuinely work with the coolest design agencies worldwide they're fantastic Those are such inspiring creative people and we get them attention for what they do we get them famous for what they do we get the work out there we get their thoughts out there do loads of thought leadership all sorts of stuff with them
0: Oh, that is amazing. I'm always fascinated by people's jobs, businesses and really what that entails. So, you know, I'm super nosy and I'm going to ask you lots of (laughs) things about lots of different subjects, even though it's thrive, not survive. You know, I just really want to dive deep, really, into what makes you tick and really what makes you super happy and whether you notice, you know and you're a person that kind of knows when it's not all going really really well so let's just yeah. start at the beginning if you don't mind and I know mm-hmm. you come from well Warrington yes um, and like, how did you end up in Brighton because this is where you are now isn't it
1: yeah absolutely um god I left Warrington when I was um 18 so I went to university over in Leeds was there for three years did a degree in biology, which didn't really didn't really use or carry on in any way but I think most people do that kind of thing don't they no,
0: um,
1: god. <laughs> <laughs> yeah from biology to design was very different I know how did that happen I was just god I did a really boring part of biology and I thought I really liked biology and I thought it would be like exactly <laughs> what I wanted to do I wanted to basically invent a cure for malaria and go into sort of like immunology and do the genetic side of it, all that kind of stuff. Wow. And then did the most boring biology course in the world. I don't, obviously I chose it, but you know, I was 18 and didn't really think that well at, the, at that time, but yeah. just did a course that focused on crop pests. And I couldn't give a shit about crop yeah. pests generally. Obviously crop pests are an important thing and we yeah. don't want them, <laughs> <laughs> but I have no interest in crop pests um and basically ended up studying them for three years somehow so after that just thought I need to do something very different um I have no interest in this and yeah just I've always liked art and design but I didn't really get what design was at that point no I didn't get what branding was or anything like that um I met I was looking for a job in sales I thought I'd be good at sales and thought I'd be good at doing stuff like that yeah and was down having some serious in London, um, after I finished university and met a friend of a friend in a bar with we the Slug and Lettuce in Kingston. And... <laughs> oh, I know that pub. I know that pub. <laughs> yeah, you're on the river. You. It's quite nice pub. Yeah. And my friend Debbie, who I was living with at the time, was working at TGI Fridays in Kingston. And one of the guys there, his girlfriend, worked at a really good advertising straight design agency in the centre of London on Great Portland Street and he was just like I'm sure my girlfriend's looking for someone to do sales you should get in touch so I did and started the whole sort of career in design basically.
0: Wow and then where did you go from there and how did you because you set up this company your own company with your
1: husband Alex. I set it up but well, I set it up on my own and Alex joined oh, about yes. eight nine years ago but he couldn't keep away from it but I don't tell him that. So. <laughs> he joined about basically I set it up I set Red Setter up as a company that helped design agencies grow but mainly from a sales point of view mainly from sort of doing business development and calling people and setting them up with meetings and all that kind of stuff and then my clients started saying to me do you know any good PR agencies and I didn't but not because there weren't any out there just that was, that's not my world yeah. And Alex said, well, I could do some writing for them because he was, well, he's a journalist. So he started doing a few, bit of writing for my clients and just saw what a transformational effect it had on business and how it's so much more effective than doing just direct sales and getting stuff out there and getting your clients' thoughts and work out there into the media transforms their business. All of a sudden people are contacting them saying they want to work with them and it's it was really exciting. Wow. So over quite a long time. So Alex joined then and set up our PR side, and now we but well, now we're just a PR agency. We don't have any other side. Wow! So, and what is the most? What is the favourite part
0: of what you do every day?
1: Oh, uh, my favourite part, uh, my personal favourite part is the which has been really affected by COVID, which is really shit. The it's the getting out there and speaking to people and talking to people about design and the value of design and what it can mean and how it can transform things and that design's there to make everything better like you just design better things all the time whether it's product design whether it's designing better brands whether it's electric cars you know whatever it is just makes everything better so it's for me it's like, I'm so excited at the moment that I'm actually being able to go outside and start talking to people again and meet up yeah. with clients hopefully over the summer and yeah, so, what, so I'm guess you were doing it all via zoom still yeah at the moment and have been since like COVID hit all by all via Zoom but it's just I mean it's great but it's it's just
0: kind of sustain your enthusiasm with that has there been like (laughs) in your madness have you had to like really kind of work hard on kind of getting your energy up to do that or
1: yeah definitely I think it's just I, the mo- moments where it breaks through, where I'm actually having conversations, it's broken down a lot of geographical borders. So yeah. I'll be talking, I had a really great conversation with an agency in Barcelona um, a couple of months ago called Mucho. And they're just such a world-renowned design agency. They're so good at what they do. And I was speaking to Mark, the, the guy that founded it there. And just yeah. break through like conversations like that, were i just like, this is why I absolutely love it. And speaking to our clients now that are just doing amazing things that it's just, yeah, I find it really inspiring, but there's oh. so much less of it now. Like that used to be 80% of my role, whereas right. now that stuff's like 10% of my role. So I want to start building it all back up again.
0: Yeah. Oh, how exciting that it is going to, you know, that's, that's what you can get back into again, your zone mm-hmm. of genius. Would you consider that? Cause you know, I'm really fascinated about the psychology of the way people work and what, you know what works for one person doesn't work for another and Mm. you know you would would you say that that was your zone of genius and do you do you believe in that do you do you agree with the fact that people should stay in their kind of yes rents and not yeah okay
1: absolutely because if you just try and I've I've never really thought about it and I articulated it in this way until very recently. We've started working with a guy that's like sort of HR business consultant and he's brilliant. And instead of say we've got an account manager in the agency and that account manager is really good at six or seven things. But, you know, has three or four things that they're not so good at. He's saying instead of just trying to make everyone into sort of average performers, really concentrate on the bits that they're fantastic at. And then you've suddenly got an agency for the people who are just performing at their full potential and loving what they do rather than just thinking. So he was saying, for example, with me, I'm really awful at like there's so much stuff that I love doing, but I'm really bad at admin and doing reports on things and writing yes. notes after meetings and doing big projects, which takes loads of sort of writing, anything like that, that sort of that's just yeah, not my headspace
0: too,
1: and I yeah yeah he was just saying we well, just stop doing it it's like, yes. Do like don't just stop beating yourself up for, for getting better at it get a VA get an office manager get this thing you know there's ways around it and then you can spend all your time on the stuff that you love
0: exactly you know I'm having this conversation with my clients as well because we've been taught that we have to be good at everything and yes. you know um and and you know very creative people especially you know and this is not for everybody but that is what they're good at and big ideas, not the detail necessarily or other people that are really passionate and so good at that. So why are we like trying to squash ourselves into these boxes that just don't really fit us very well?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'm really fortunate that Alex's real passion is that detail of getting the company structure into everyone's got really clear lines of progression and building everyone's training and all that kind of stuff he loves I find it, it's totally necessary, and I'm not devaluing it, but it just really bores me. Yeah, it's not your thing. I want to be out there talking about, like, I don't know, longer-term things. Not longer-term things, just sort of more vis- uh, visionary sort of stuff. Yeah. And, but one to talk about the other.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with you. I'm just really interested in this uh, subject, and how different everybody is. But what is your... Are you somebody, right? Are you a goal setting person? Are you like a big vision person? Do you spend time doing that? I suppose you must do within your business, but how does that work for you personally?
1: I'm just trying to think. It's kind of, I'll spend time, I'll just gradually get beliefs, I suppose, that I feel things need to change. Like at the moment, I don't think that design is valued enough generally in society. I think yeah. that if you ask, I say at the moment it's been going for a long time, but if you ask everybody what advertising is, yeah, everyone knows. Like you know, ask your grand what advertising is, and there's the bit in between Coronation Street that my grand would know. That that's <laughs> what advertising is. Like it's just really self-explanatory. But if you say we work with, you know, I work in design, it doesn't really mean things. Like often it will be people thinking that you know you're putting cushions on sofas or like sort of superfluous interiors and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, people don't think that every single thing around you that's not a nature, like natural trees, kind of stuff, has been designed. So the chair, the table, the glasses you're using, the computers, the every single thing, like window frames, has been designed by a designer, and it's so massive.
0: Yeah, you're right. You know what? I'd never even considered this until I'd spoken to you about, you know, a few couple of months ago, Mm. and we had a bit of a conversation around this, and I was just like, yeah, you're right you just don't consider it, or yeah, I Yeah, it's just,
1: absolutely, the, you know, to get better pens, to get rid of everything. But, and the, you know, a lot of the world's problems at the moment, certainly with sustainability and stuff like that, are going to need, I mean, it's, it's gonna be saved by designers, surely, because you've got to yeah. design, or like science, that's why I like, you know, scientists who can design enzymes that eat plastic bags and stuff like that. It's got to be, Yeah. that's gotta be the core of everything.
0: Absolutely, you're so right, and something that we probably all need to consider more. And so, what is your big vision for your? So, let's start with the business because I want to know what your like personal visions are, and what what you know whether you think about that, and whether you feel like you are in flow or in really enjoying life, and if you notice when yeah. you're not. But for your for your business, where would you like to take it?
1: I think I'd like to be well. Basically, we've just done a rebranding program at the moment, actually, so we've been talking about this a lot. And basically, we want to sort of our business purpose is to amplify the voice and value of design. So we want to tell we want to basically change it so everyone does know the value of design. So it's pretty big, ambitious stuff. And how and how are you? um, What are your ideas? How are you going to take it out there? So continuing to do work with our clients. Yeah. um, So getting their design work famous, basically, so people know what they're doing. Speaking platforms, I want to start speaking about this stuff. I want to start doing more podcasts about this kind of stuff. Um, Doing webinars, doing round tables, and just pushing forward the value of design and how it can change things personally. And then hopefully just starting off a bit of a... I think other people are talking about it. I want to start... That's another thing I want to do. I want to start working with more corporates. So at the moment, we do work with one big company called It who make like Vanished Dishwasher Tablets and Dettol and stuff like that. Yeah. We work with them drawing out their creative stories and getting them out to the media so they can be seen as being sort of like super creative company. And the value of them being seen that is that companies that... Generally, companies that centre themselves around design do a lot better. Their share price does a lot better. Okay. So if we can get boards around the world, so, you know, FTSE 3,250 boards... To all have like a CDO, so chief design officer sitting on the board, then yes. that would drive that would drive a lot of value into the business and they'll make more money out of it. But it also will make it all a lot more sustainable and better business. So I want to start trying to speak, speak at that level so people start recognizing it. And then that obviously will filter down to our clients being more successful and everything like that. So wow, what a fascinating subject. I mean, you know. <laughs>
0: Uh, uh, did you ever think that you would be doing this? Is there like, you know, (laughs) no, no. but if you were doing this, Claire, what do you think, like, what would be your alternative? Like if you could write out your second dream
1: job or dream career path, what, what do you think that might be? God knows. I never even thought of that. Um, I don't know. (laughs) I'm really happy doing what I do. I do think I'm in my perfect role, which I absolutely love. Um, I I mean, God, I always wanted to be a doctor, hence, Decided yeah. not to do that but I mean as an amazing job as doctors do I'm so glad I didn't do it it's really not me yeah I love the whole caring side of it but attention to detail I think could be a problem <laughs> <laughs> You giving them all the wrong tablets absolutely <laughs> so they've got what oh my god this is... <laughs> oh,
0: that is absolutely brilliant <laughs> if I make oh, a
1: mistake uh... in what I do now it's generally not that big of an impact whereas if you make a mistake in that job <laughs> It's slightly different, isn't it? So.
0: What a responsibility that ring
1: really <laughs> must be! Oh my god, definitely! I've got quite yeah, friend, quite a few friends that do it, and just in awe of them.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, <laughs> so,
1: so far, it, well, not just in career, but just in
0: like all aspects of your life. Is what do you, what are you most proud of? Do you think?
1: I'm most proud of. I've got to. Don't know. I just find questions like that really hard because. I think, I don't sound, it sounds really smug. That uh, kind of. it, it, you know what, I,
0: I, this is, I've done a lot of work on this with people as well, because I know particularly because we are English, me and you.
1: Yeah, absolutely, it's very. It's
0: ingrained <laughs> to be uh, humble, but I just really think that there is definitely room for, you know, Talking about what we are proud of. What
1: (laughs) I know, yeah, you're totally (laughs) right. It makes me feel really squirmishly uncomfortable. But you are right. It's uh yeah. I suppose I mean, what we've achieved at Red Setter, having like kids that are happy, yeah, living in a fantastic place. Just even just like moving to Brighton, and I never used to think that like when I lived in Warrington I used to come on holiday to like places like this and down to Devon and stuff like that and just couldn't get my head around the fact that people could actually live in a place where other people went on holiday I just thought it was too good so like just choosing it's possible to choose happiness you don't have to just put up with what you've got
0: yeah absolutely and just knowing that there's a pot there's those possibilities out there because you have actually created that for yourself I just think it's really important to reflect on that and you are can I just say the biggest doer And action taker I have probably ever met. (laughs) For anybody, you know, obviously people do not know Claire that are listening to this. But if you want to get something done, ask Claire to do it. She is on it. (laughs) Like, have you, Claire? Have you always been like that, or is that something that you've? Do you remember always being the one that you know when you were a teenager, or like? setting up what you and your friends were doing or have you always been like that or is that a skill that you've developed over time
1: I think it's a skill I've developed over time I do think yeah I'm pretty good at just sort of making things happen and doing stuff and I think it's yeah when I was a teenager definitely not I think it's when <laughs> I first started working and I used to sit around in endless meetings. And no one did anything at the end of them. And there was no outcome of them. And it would just be like people sat around talking for two hours. And it just used to get me really frustrated. So I just started doing it, just doing it because of that, basically. But I remember when I first met Alex, um, he was saying, he was talking to one of his friends. We were in a pub in Charing Cross Road. He was talking to his friend Gary about wanted to jump out of the plane and I was just like oh my god I've been looking at that recently I found a place over in Salisbury and we could probably do it this weekend if you wanted to do it I could totally set that up he lost it and was just like whoa hold on (laughs) on a minute hold on a minute this is something that Gary and I have talked about for years we do not need someone like you coming into the conversation and making it happen (laughs) I know you know what Claire I just think it's quite rare because I've never really
0: seen it in the the capacity that you can kind of (laughs) can do it it's just incredible and something that I admire massively And you know something that I'm taking on board in my you know late 40s I think it's like times of the essence suddenly it's hit me I'm always like quite laid back and but now I'm literally going for everything that I want to and just want to experience all of the things because why that not
1: absolutely (laughs) totally I think it's really important yeah I think what you're doing now is fantastic really inspiring stuff changing people's lives well 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 thank you but yeah I just think it's
0: it's important isn't it to get out of our own way and to not you know I'm really working on just even if I feel sick if I feel like you know no nobody wants to see me I'm still going to go out there because it's not about me it's about trying to help other people so I'm really really trying and you know that's one of the things for me so yeah, yeah, what I want to also ask you, because I know you have many hobbies and <laughs> you try many different things. I know, that you, yeah, I know that sea swimming is something that you literally do nearly daily, don't yes,
1: you? Yes, whenever it's safe to do so, I'm not doing it today, it's like 55 mile per hour winds, but every day <laughs> it's safe to do so, I totally, yeah, I love it. But that was only like last year, last, probably a year ago I started doing that, it's really good fun. Yeah. And what got you into that? Because I know we had a
0: conversation because obviously one of the things that I'm really about is body, trying to step into our body confidence, no matter what age we are.
1: Oh, my God. And definitely. Just getting
0: your kit off. You know, I didn't get my kit off for many, many years because I was like, oh,
1: no, I have to take my towel right down to the sea edge. But, I you think know, amazing about you. Definitely. I think I just never would have entered my head that you would feel like that
0: oh I, I just think so many women do no matter what you think they yeah. think, feel like you know it's just such a huge thing we've yeah. got to teach our children to, to overcome and totally. you know you know so yeah you just get out into that cold water nearly every day what is the? what do you get out of that then
1: oh look, the, the whole body confidence thing I think it's changed my mind on that in a certain way when I first moved to Brighton I remember meeting you guys and meeting Daisy and everyone that on the beach in Hove and people would just sat there wearing swimming costumes and bikinis and was just genuinely probably physically shocked of just going, oh my God, people actually do that. I was just like, I can't do that. That's just, oh my God, no.
0: Yeah, yeah. I and that was like
1: probably that. what, seven or eight years ago or something. And now it's just, it is just that thing of just thinking, oh, fuck it, it doesn't really matter, does it? Everyone's Absolutely. more worried about themselves than working about you. And it still enters my head every time. Yeah. But it's less, it's getting less and less and less.
0: Yeah.
1: And what it's, do you, so the actual swimming itself, the actual, is it like
0: the like the shock of the cold water and the adrenaline rush? What yeah. is it?
1: It's the cold water. So I've always been really interested in the idea of like the Wim Hof method of, like, yeah. have for years. In my head for years, I've always thought one day I'm going to start doing like ice baths and sort of getting into sort of yeah. bath with of ice cubes in. And then the thought of doing that makes me just think, no, this is horrendous. And then (laughs) I can't, I can't envisage doing that. Last May started sea swimming mainly just for the sort of meditative mind freeing type stuff that I just, I was doing it. I used to do it on my own all the time then, because in the summer it doesn't feel a particularly dangerous thing to do. Mm So I used to do it and just have 20 minutes, half an hour of just swimming and totally clear in my head. And it was amazing. And then it suddenly entered my head that the temperatures that the sea was at the time basically is, Cold, it's the same thing as cold water immersion so we suddenly started looking into the cold water immersion side so all the sort of physical and mental be- health benefits of that and just the fact that it's it makes you feel amazing afterwards like an electricity around your body that's just so good wow it can alive. totally change my mood if i wake up and i'm really pissed off and just feeling a bit groggy if yeah. i go for a swim i'll just be really happy afterwards
0: yeah, it's so worth doing, and you mm. are in the perfect position because you're literally ten minutes from the sea. So you are. Yeah,
1: but pre COVID, yeah. I've never had a chance to do it because I was in London three or four days a week. And... Oh, of course. Yeah, just it's never yeah. I've never had time to fit into my life before. Whereas now, I won't ever let it go out of my life because it's really.
0: So-, so it's it's something that you're going to you know when you you know quite soon I, I expect you're going to be having to go back into London. Yeah, so you're going to keep you're going to keep up the sea swim before you go in.
1: Oh, definitely. I think that I'll be in London a day a week, maybe a day every other week. Most of our clients will now do updates on Zoom and stuff, and I don't. I think we'll keep all that. Right. Um, I don't want to be racing around the world and racing up to London all the time anymore. Yeah. I want a sort of a midway between what I was doing and what I am doing now. Yeah, to see swimming. Yeah, it's got to stay because it's just brilliant. So for you, as as um, the whole pandemic kind of really made you
0: think about the way that you were perhaps you know being in your life and the fact yeah, that it was busy and was, running around here and everywhere
1: yeah it's just all a bit too much I think it's just living on adrenaline the entire time yeah of just constantly thinking I can do that I can do this I'm just constantly getting home packing a bag flying yeah. somewhere else
0: you know which is addictive in itself isn't it I mean yeah, that's totally. that I'm very you know keen on talking to people about and letting people know that our default settings over time the adrenaline rush is even if it's a negative adrenaline rush we Mm. get addicted to that and it's a real like i suppose you know when covid hit, it's allowed you to kind of recalibrate almost your system and just calm down a little bit
1: yeah massively yeah Yeah. much calmer i mean really bored as well so i'm kind (laughs) of like (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's a fine line isn't it it is a fine line yeah (laughs) Get well, if your bit, I said, back.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, you know, all or nothing, maybe. Yeah, yeah absolutely.
1: <laughs> you need find
0: a bit of the in-between. You know, what does, if I say, you know, what does thriving mean to you, if anything? If I say the words, you know, and you, you feel like you're thriving, what does that encompass for you in your life?
1: God, um, I can describe it. I think it feels, I think it's a physical feeling of feeling really, Energetic and on top of things, and inspired, and yeah. feeling like it's all working, and the, the energy you're putting out into the right places. I don't think I've, I don't think I've ever felt like I've been thriving in every area of my life. It's all that kind of. Yeah, the business could be going really well, but then something could be going wrong with the kids at school or something. It's always like juggling things yeah. up and down, isn't it? Yeah, but it's yeah, just that sort of energy and passion inside and making it feel like yeah you're achieving things and make doing different making difference
0: and have you got um you know have you got any routines that you like may I know everyone doesn't stick to routine all the time but are there like elements it that you know you must try and stick to to help you kind of get into the thriving state
1: Yeah, definitely. I think I think routines are really important for me. I'd love to be the sort of person where I'd say, oh, I hate routines. I go against them all the time because I think it's much cooler. But I think it's actually really, really important for me to have a routine and to get into it. And that means you just subconsciously start doing things that are really good for you rather than having to. If it's all over the place all the time, I can't really cope. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I mean, God, I was talking about this the other day because we're talking about our own PR in work, and Vicky, our comms director, was, talk- was asking me about what I do in routines and what I do in the morning of, like, meditation and stuff like that. And yeah, I was saying to I've her that I find too. it really hard to talk about anything like that without sounding, oh, just that whole new age hippie. You, I think you just sound like a bit of a dick when you say, well, I wake <laughs> up in the morning and I meditate
0: for... <laughs> <laughs> I must stop like sounding like I'm a dick then because that's all I written down. <laughs> it is really, my job after
1: all. It's totally your job. You can totally get away with it. <laughs> <laughs> it's so important though. It's the, the another thing that I've only really started doing. Did a bit last year, kind of went in and out a it a bit. Did a course with our friend Becca in January that yeah. was fantastic. And just got me into the habit of doing it every day most days twice a day probably five days a week do it twice a day but mm-hmm. i'll do it every morning for 15 or 20 minutes if i can and it's just it's, you could almost feel like my head sort of resorting itself and oh, all the jumble of stuff that i wake up with that i've got to do it just all organizes itself into the right bits and makes me feel really calm and happy oh
0: it's i mean i know it's like oh bore off meditating yeah but... You know, for the people that really do give it a go, and it let me tell you, I mean, I say this all the time, it's not about finding some, like, silent zen place. Exactly. Your brain, your brain doesn't work like that. You know, it is just doing the practice by sitting down and being quiet. And your brain could be one day going all over the place, come back to your breath or whatever you use, and it's just, over time, the power, the data for you know the gene expression you know Mm. trying to calm down your nervous system because of the cortisol it's just incredible the more data and you know that's I'm super passionate about that I'm going to be oh
1: my god definitely I just finished this really good book called A Monk's Guide to Happiness and it was it's so worth reading it's brilliant it's this guy who was totally on it working in New York as a trader and basically he Stopped it. He had a bit of a breakdown. Stopped it. Went on a meditation retreat in um, an island in Scotland and became monk, basically, over a long period of time. But I think because he now lives in London, he's, he's not, like, in a Tibetan temple somewhere saying, you need a peace and that kind of stuff, which doesn't really identify with me. He's, like, teaching you how to, like, meditate on a tube. yeah, stuff like that. So it's really practical. And he's, the thing that I keep coming back to That is the fact that it's about returning to it's your mind wonders and it's how the the number of times you return to what the meditation is that's part of it so you just the more you return to the mantra or whatever it is you're using then the better you get at meditation but it's it's not it's not like no one can clear their mind maybe they can but i can't clear my mind for 15 20 minutes
0: no it's the practice of doing it. It's just, yeah, like you say, returning, returning. And I mm. think this false construct or this, you know, beliefs about what that means and that they're failing at it, they're no good at it. Because at first yeah. it makes you bloody angry sometimes because you do feel like that is another pressure. Am I good enough? Am I I can't totally. do the oh, typical? You know. Yeah.
1: And it goes up and down a lot. I remember yes. a couple of months ago saying, I think I've totally cracked this now. I just as soon as I start meditating, I can feel sort of like the alpha waves that feel really calm, like come in straight away and I can maintain it and it's already good. And now it's all just gone to pot a bit and I can't stop loads of thoughts shooting through my head all the time. But I think i accepting that and realising I'm not messing it up. Just no. your brain changes in different e- states. Exactly.
0: What else would you consider now part of your kind of weekly on your, you know, the things that you do to make yourself feel good?
1: Uh, right now, very recently dog walking, my my new puppy it's amazing the difference that I love the difference that she's made to my life just in the last since we've been able to go out for a walk with her in the last few weeks I now know so she comes into the office with me about three times a week we've been in this office for three and a half years and I've never really known anyone around here I now know the local shop owners um, Amir and Yvette and I say hi to them every morning and I know there's a woman on the street behind who's opening a vintage shop called Alley, And I'm going to go over with Patsy, the little puppy, in a wow. week's time to talk to her about what she's doing. And there's just this, I've suddenly I feel much more part of a community like in, in our office in the centre of Brighton. It just makes me really happy. I go for a walk every morning for half an hour, meet loads of people. And oh, yeah, it just makes a big difference. It's, it's the side of having a dog that just hadn't entered my head.
0: That is, uh, yeah, you know, I I hadn't considered that either, really, because I've never had a pet. I'm really getting plagued to get one. Of course, <laughs> I, <imagine>. I think <laughs> it's there right now. I've seen this <laughs> load. but yeah, I mean, people do so. You know, it does open up a whole world because everyone stops you, don't they, and starts stroking. Yeah,
1: definitely. <laughs>
0: so that's, it's,
1: it's it's really nice going for a walk at home because you're sort of meeting people, but particularly in Brighton. I just feel a lot more connected to loads of people around here, which i never had before. I think it's really yeah. lovely.
0: And this community and the sense of connection, is that, do you really mm. acknowledge that as being a really big part of what makes you tick and what makes Definitely. You tick?
1: Yeah, yeah, I think it's really, really important, just feeling did you, connected.
0: Did you, did you feel, because I'm really getting a sense of, well, I'm getting lots of feedback, actually, of going back out of this weird kind of environment that we've had to kind of live in for the last 18 months, Mm. the real sense for some people of like, oh gosh, you know, real like low, not high anxiety necessarily, but low like anxiety about what happens next and the uncertainty. And do we quite want to go out or, or not, or do that? And I just think, you know, that connection piece, there's been, are lost a mm. little bit not necessarily for you because I know you've got lots of friends and you are very connected but you can use still see- lost a lot really
1: yeah the, still lost a lot of connection just that it's just I mean you know we've got lots of friends and stuff like that haven't we but you still end up not seeing them for weeks on end and just occasionally doing the odd zoom with friends and stuff like that that's just yeah, yeah I find quite depressing yeah really hard to cope with
0: Yeah, it's a a weird one, isn't it? And how how that's going to open up and what's going to change and what isn't and, you Mm. know, all of that, you know. Yeah,
1: quite a lot of my friends have been saying things like, oh, my God, I can't imagine going out. I can't imagine returning to that sort of life. And I I don't have any of that in my head. I'm just like, get me out there. I can't wait.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, so different, aren't they?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I get it. And I can see why people are like that. And I can see how people have almost taken comfort in, not having all those external intrusions all the time, I suppose, yeah. but I love it. Questions.
0: Yeah. yeah, because you are a very sociable person, mm. you know, yeah, definitely. And, yeah, um, makes me happy. and in terms of, I know we've we've uh, we've touched on this in the past, you know, food and health and exercise and all of that. I know you've been swimming, I know you're dog walking. What is your kind of do you follow a certain way of eating or do you try and incorporate certain stuff is it important to you or not important
1: oh it's massively important again it's one of those things that goes up and down and i'll sort of turn my attention to it for ages and be thinking why do i not just eat like this all the time it makes me feel really good and then just lose it somehow and start eating rubbish and eating freddos every day it's (laughs) (laughs) but they're so small they don't count that's what I
0: always think that's
1: exactly they so don't count you know what? I didn't think I had a problem with that at all until I listened to one of your you were talking you did an Instagram thing and you were talking about cutting out sugar and how it's helped you a few weeks ago and yeah. I was thinking I don't think I have a problem with sugar I don't think I really eat that much of it and then had lunch and thought maybe I'll just stop eating sugar and then I was just like I really want a Freddo <laughs> Oh, and they sugar. just feel like a physical thing inside, and was just like, oh my god! And now I'm really aware of it. I think I have got a problem with sugar, and I need to just give it up.
0: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I've I've always had a problem with sugar, and I only temperate. You know, I just decided because it was Easter, and I I noticed that every time I sat, it become a habit, which I'm big on because they just become yeah. unconscious. Every time I got on the on the sofa, and I was working really late, I'd just have chocolate every night with Saskia on the sofa, and I just yeah. thought. I've got it. This is like a real thing, craving now. So I've just got to kick it into touch. Not yeah, it's forever, like a
1: physical thing but, inside but me. Just,
0: that yeah, just to break the little habit. Totally. You know? and, I and,
1: haven't and we'll got to be doing habits. it yet, but at least I'm aware of it. <laughs> <laughs> at least you're aware of it. So <laughs> I'm happy cool. being in the awareness stage.
0: <laughs> yes, yes, me too. The contemplation of changing it, but not quite yeah. changing it.
1: Absolutely. Can I just
0: ask you, Claire, what, like, have you had any points in your life when you really just felt you were surviving? Just, like, on the edge of, yeah, well, definitely surviving, but surviving. And can you, would you, you know, would you talk about those times?
1: Yeah, I'm trying to think. I mean, quite a long time ago, I suppose. Um, yeah. Before I moved down to London, I was in a really shit job that I hated in Leeds working at Bass Brewers in the customer service department just basically getting pubs phoning me up all the time telling me that the taps weren't working and I could try and fix them over the phone it was depressing I mean, you just feel like there is no point to your life apart yes. from getting pubs back up and running <laughs> which obviously is very important <laughs> but <laughs> it certainly wasn't my passion and I just found it all really really depressing and I think also I just um, had an abortion. So everything there was quite a lot of stuff in my life, I had to termination pregnancy, quite a lot yeah. of stuff going wrong that I just wasn't I was feeling really, really down. Yeah. But kind of that's what spurred me on to move to London.
0: Right. So, so you were able
1: to change things.
0: Right. So, so you so you you were able to use that as fuel really to like push you Forward in a different direction because I can't yeah. see you as a person that would and I just think I just so fascinated by this that would be wallowing in like well not even wallowing but I just get your makeup and I'm just interested to find out whether this has always been the case or you've had to physically turn this around. Because I know, I believe that, you know, a lot of things are learnt behaviour, a lot of our conditioning, our environment. Definitely. But does this run in your, like, do, you, do are you aware that this runs in your family, this like resilience, sense of resilience?
1: God, I don't know. Yeah, my mum's pretty resilient, I suppose. I don't think, my, I think my dad was the opposite and wasn't very resilient at all.
0: Right. And do you think that you looked at that and thought, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to be like that or.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. My dad was like super safe, lived a super safe life in one job for his whole life. Never wanted to move house. Just wanted everything to be as super safe as possible. Right. I just thought, yeah, I just couldn't understand, you know, on the basis that it's one of those things. It wasn't like I always thought I want to do something different, but the more I realise that you've actually got control over what you do and you can make choices to do different stuff. I don't understand why you wouldn't.
0: Yeah. So would you consider yourself a risk taker?
1: Definitely. Oh. Yes. I love taking risks. Do you? Yeah, probably a bit too much, which is why it's quite not good to be married to Alex, who's <laughs> less of a risk taker <laughs> and level it out, so we'll balance it out.
0: Absolutely. 100%. <laughs> Crikey. That's amazing.
1: You yeah, know? I think it's... I think it's I just, that can...
0: Because I think lots of people are very risk averse
1: mm.
0: and it really um, that to be able to deal with uncertainty, in my opinion, and from what I've learned from people is that, you know, the capacity to live a very big, like it, not even exciting, but yet yeah, it does bring an element of excitement, but fulfilling big life. And then obviously to not be able to deal with uncertainty at all, which many people cannot it keeps the it keeps life quite small doesn't it
1: yeah it's true isn't it I was just thinking about the whole uncertainty thing it's weird because since covid hit i feel my yeah my opportunity to take risks has just been massively reduced because there's just not that much you can do but then on the other hand it's like the most uncertain time ever so it's kind of like more negative uncertainties there with like less control over what to do about it so
0: yeah and how does that
1: make you feel um, it's, yeah, it's, it's, not, it's made me feel, it's made me feel quite low at times. It's made me feel, I feel generally, I feel good about it now, but last summer I was feeling quite low about it a lot and I just felt that the big part of my life that I really enjoyed was going out and speaking to people had been taken away. Yeah. And I couldn't do that anymore, but I started seeing a counsellor, a psychotherapist, um, last September and started talking it all through and talking through like everything from you know, childhood up to yeah. sort of now. And it's just been transformational. I love it. I think wow. that's made me much, much happier and just able to cope with things a lot better. Really? Mm, hugely. I think everyone should have a counsellor, a psychotherapist. I think it's game-changingly brilliant.
0: Me too. It should be a prerequisite. And it's just such a shame that so many people are... Well, we all need one, but yeah. there's, you know, obviously there's a, a large proportion of people right now that are struggling so much, and then if they haven't got the funds because it can be, you know, it yeah, can absolutely be expensive, then you know there's nowhere for people to go and talk, or the waiting lists are so huge.
1: Yeah, that's it. There's huge. I mean, it doesn't really help, does it, if you go to the doctors and you need talking therapies and they say, well, it's going to be no. nine months absolutely
0: it absolutely it's yeah
1: so it's key. a luxury yeah that's the thing isn't it it's a luxury but it and shouldn't I, be a luxury I think yeah, it's a bit I, like a friend of mine was saying a while ago about a year or so ago that she sees it in the same way as going to the gym like absolutely. it's a is as, as important as you know looking after yourself physically
0: oh I, yeah I, I absolutely 100% believe that and mm. I know speaking about charities the other day it's a big passion for me for especially young women that I see struggling so much yeah absolutely it's the different for not necessarily talking therapy but lots of forms of different kinds of therapy
1: yeah and
0: and movement and breath work and all of that because we're holding our stories and our emotions and our body and it's much more than a just a talking thing it's an embodiment you know I really believe that the more I've kind of seen people struggling I know that people are stuck in their bodies as well as their minds
1: yeah absolutely
0: you know but I also know that you have just set up a charity or yeah
1: just tell us
0: a bit more about that
1: so it's me and about five or six others and it was it's basically if you look at we don't want to lose people from the design industry don't want to lose creative people because they can't get jobs at the moment And if you look for designers with sort of 10 to 12 years experience, you can't really find anyone at the moment because the crash in 2008 happened. And for a couple of years afterwards, people stopped hiring designers. They stopped taking on interns and they just stopped that bottom level basically of getting into the industry. So we've set up this charity called the Design Community Hub that will basically is hooking everybody up. So it's Instead of, I mean, design's got a real problem, as a lot of industries have, that it's all very white middle class. And this whole thing, the design community hub, we're basically, we've got loads of design agencies who have hooked up to help. We've got lots of design agencies who've donated money. Um, We've got lots of students who have registered, who have left school and can't get a job. And in the past, it has been very much about who you know. And, you know, your dad setting him up with one of his mates in a ad agency or something like that yeah which makes it all kind of lack creativity when the whole point mm-hmm. is that it should be the most creative place possible so this hub is going to hook yeah. students up with the top design agencies and basically give them internships ment- mentors um portfolio reviews just a space to talk all that kind of stuff, basically, which hopefully will stop people drifting away from design whilst people aren't hiring. Yeah. And increase the diversity in design as well. So it's not quite so sickeningly white middle class. Absolutely. So blooming important, you know. Mm,
0: Definitely. Um, And how how can people access your help within that charity?
1: So if you... What's the website address? That would be a good one to find out. It's designcommunityhub.com. I think it's designcommunityhub.com. I'll double check that. But um, basically at the moment, all people can do is register for interest. Right. And then the plan is at sort of some point in June, we're hiring a project manager to run the whole thing. And that's when we're going to open up. It's called a guild platform, which is basically a bit like Slack, where you've got loads of different channels and loads of different conversations going on in different places and that's going to start the conversation basically where everyone can hook up and start introducing everybody to each other how exciting so yeah it should be really really good it's there's there's not really anything like that at the the moment i think it's going to start with an answer to covid and hopefully it will end up just democratizing the whole thing yeah giving people a chance to get in where they couldn't have done otherwise
0: brilliant absolutely brilliant good for you you know
1: oh thanks Um, it's um yeah it's it's really good fun I love
0: it it's a perfect example of you taking massive action and not sitting on your ass (laughs) um (laughs) (laughs) Um, I just want to ask you do you have any regrets Claire
1: oh god yeah do you yeah, all the time. I don't understand how telling... you... I know there's a philosophy of, like, you shouldn't regret anything because it's made you the person you are. Yeah. But maybe those people haven't done the things I've done. Maybe... <laughs> 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 totally. late regrets. Oh, I, I, this could be a whole separate podcast.
0: <laughs> oh, I cannot wait.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think it's really important to think... That was, that really fucked up. That was a stupid thing, I shouldn't have done that. Learn from it and move on.
0: Yeah, but do you learn from it? Do you yeah. reflect and learn from it, yeah.
1: Yeah, definitely, I do learn from it and move on, but still regret it. Because sometimes you do things that just accidentally hurt somebody else or do stuff like that, and I regret doing that kind of thing. So yeah. just learn from it, do it in the future, and yeah.
0: Yeah, and what would you tell your 15-year-old
1: self? God, what would I tell my 15-year-old self? It's the, I was so low in confidence then and lacked self-belief and didn't realise what was possible and what I could do. And it is that, like, on every level from being that that body-conscious type thing, I was absolutely terrified of the way I looked and all that kind of stuff. Just Mm -hmm. tell them not to be like that and the fact that, you know, you're amazing and don't worry about your body and don't worry about this and just, just get rid of all the anxiety and go for it.
0: Absolutely. Wow. And crikey, she would be so blooming proud.
1: God, well, yeah. I, hope, I don't know. But yeah, it's just, yeah. yeah, that sort of anxiety. I mean, hopefully, hopefully with my own children, I can try and get rid of that a bit with them. But I don't know, maybe it's just a teenage yeah. A it's passage. a
0: Yeah, it's a learning journey, isn't it, that we all <laughs> have to go on. Absolutely. We can guide and, you know, but ultimately our kids have got to experience it for themselves and it's it's quite tough but luckily yeah. luckily your kids have got you to guide you well <laughs> you know what you know what claire this has been an absolute pleasure thank you so much for coming taking the time out of your very busy schedule
1: oh. <laughs> <laughs> thank, thank you so much it's me. been really yeah really good fun yeah really good and
0: Yes, next time you can come on with uh, an expose of all of your regrets.
1: Definitely. I'll start creating a massive list. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> thank you, darling. Really good to see you or hear you.
0: Speak to you soon. Speak Bye. to you
1: soon. Bye-bye. Bye.